What do you do when you have more questions than answers? If there are questions about video games, we got you. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we open up the listener mailbag, answering questions about the future of the metaverse, playing games on easy mode, bad endings that ruin the game, and more. I'm Maddie Myers. I'm Jason Schreier. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hi there. Hello. Hello. Hey, it's nice us. to see you both. It sure it's is. Here we are. Us. It's another episode of Triple Click. <laughs> Happy January. Clickety yeah. click click, as I always say click, click, click. every yeah. week. Except mm-hmm. when I don't, which is most of the that's time. Your, that's your catchphrase. Right. Yeah. Maddie Myers. Clickety click click. If you think that catchphrase owns, and you've thought that every single time I've said it, which has been more times than I could possibly Myriad. count, definitely yeah. not just just the once, uh, you might you might want to think about supporting the show by becoming hmm. a Max Fun member from from our our good old network, Maximum Fun. Yeah. And if you went to maximumfun.org/join, you could become a member, and you would get a monthly bonus episode. And this month, it'd be it feel like you get an extra one because we released a Beans cast about we the did. Matrix Resurrections and all three prior Matrix movies kind of early, a little bit early on the January Beans cast this taste, month. A little bit of early Beans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because, you know, people are talking Matrix already. We just wanted to get, get our take out there. Well, it's hot, hot beans on the fire. But there's so <laughs> many other beans in the backlog and yeah, so maximumfun.org slash join. You should check it out. Check out some bonus odes. Um, yeah. And one other bit of really cool info. Can't <laughs> wait for this. We are all playing Sweet Code in 2 because some of us, two of us, me and Kirk, lost a bet to one Mr. Jason Schreier. And so we are going to get through the first chunk of the game for our February 17th episode. And the first chunk, Jason, do you want to describe what you would characterize as the first chunk of Sweet Code in 2 for the listeners who are playing along? Yeah, so so a couple of things. First of all, I'm actually, I'm going to write up like a brief guide with some tips and also info on the missable characters, characters that you have to recruit um, at specific times or else you can never get Maybe them. Maybe you shouldn't call them missable characters because that makes it sound like they can be missed, but you mean the opposite, correct? Like characters that you don't want to miss by accident. No, I mean missable characters in that you can miss them as opposed to okay, everybody okay. else. You can go and get anytime you want. Missable is a warning here. It's not okay. something that's saying Watch you out. have permission to miss them. It's not uh-huh. missable as a permission. It's missable as a cautionary cautionary adjective. You could call them miss risks, but it doesn't <laughs> really roll off the tongue I like that. That sounds really hard to say. <laughs> a couple of things. I'll be putting together a brief guide and tips for you guys. Um, and I'll probably drop it in the Discord. We we have a, a great little Discord channel where we're talking about Sweet Code and 2, and I'll try to figure out if I can get it in the show notes at some point. But um, there's also, I already actually did one for Kotaku, which I will put in the show notes a while back. It's just a little bit dated because it's from 2014. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we will be playing up until at least the point where you get your own castle spoilers you get your ca- your own castle in this game in real life too so i'm looking yeah, they, forward to that they mail you one <laughs> it's about the first i don't know 
eight hours, depending on how fast you play. Um, and that's what we will be talking about. Mm-hmm. Jason claimed before the call he could get there in two hours. So <laughs> how hard could it be? That's what I'm telling myself in the mirror every day. M- Maddie, there's actually uh, a side quest in this game that you can only get if you get to a certain point with under 12 hours um, on your play clock. So it's actually you can you can zip through this game. Um, but anyway, cool. so secret into triple play part one, February 17th. Uh, that's when we will start kicking off our, our video game club for the year, playing the best JRPG ever made. Um, Very exciting. So without further ado, let's get to this week's episode, shall we? Let's. Yeah, let's do it. We shall. This week, we are opening up the old listener question bag. We got a giant bag full of questions. <laughs> listener question bag. Yeah, it's mail. not a mail bag. Because um, mail, that's out of date. This is no. electronic mail we're talking well, about here. <laughs> we were trying to get a mailbag, but then uh, U.S. Postal Service Commissioner Louis Louis DeJoy uh, destroyed the USPS, so we can't <laughs> right, we can't right. get a mailbag. That's anymore. the only reason we use an email address for this. It's, it's just because of because of the true. USPS struggles. Otherwise, we would have a PO box. No, I have a bag <laughs> full of mail. You guys can see it on camera, of course. It's a it's mm-hmm. a bag. It has for some reason it has a dollar sign, like a dollar figure on the on the right. front. Um, Most bags just have a dollar sign on them. Well, yeah. And it only has like five emails printed out, like really specifically (laughs) selected ones. Jason's printer ran out of ink. Yeah. The truth is I stole this bag from the bank and I'm just (laughs) using it. Um, All right. Let's get to it. We have lots of burning questions to get through. As always, you can reach us with your own questions at tripleclick at maximumfun.org. Um, we can't respond to every single email we get, but we do do our best to read every single one and every single question goes in our in our bag. Um, in fact, a couple of these questions that I have pulled out for us today are two years old. They're from 2020. So uh, it wow. is even if you don't get your question read uh, quickly, it might you might get it read a couple of years from know. now. So never stop listening to this podcast. Right. You just got to stick with <laughs> you us. You can't. If you've ever emailed us, you're on yeah. the hook now. It's the truth. Bing. Hello, everybody. It's Kirk here. I am editing the episode on Tuesday, January 18th. And I just wanted to note that we recorded this episode a little bit earlier this week. Um, we recorded it before the weekend, actually, because Jason Schreier was traveling, which means that we recorded this before the absolute whopper of a news story hit that Microsoft purchased Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion, which is pretty wild. Um, I'm, you know, probably the least qualified of the three of us to talk about industry punditry and analysis, but even I know that is a really big purchase. Good Lord. So anyways, we're not going to talk about it on this episode, but we'll probably discuss it some next week. And I just wanted to acknowledge that that is, you know, like the biggest games industry news story of the year and maybe ever. (laughs) And um, I didn't want people to listen and think, why aren't they talking about this huge thing that happened? So that's why we recorded it before that happened, but we will probably discuss it next week. All right, back to the show. Bing! Maddie, why don't you go first and read us this first one? Sure. So Aaron writes, do you think we will ever see VR and haptic accessories approaching the level of Ready Player One in our lifetime? Sorry I used that shitty book and movie as a reference, (laughs) but it's the best example of what I'm driving at. I just turned 40 last week and my impending mortality has me thinking of things that I may never experience. I'm just going to pause and say, I guess Aaron's turning 42 this year. Happy Uh birthday uh to Aaron. Yeah, this is from 2020. (laughs) 
Anyway, Aaron continues, real immersive outstanding VR is one of those things. Will we get HD visuals with no cords or our own hands and fingers in our games and 360 degree treadmills in the next 30 years? Can I spend my sunset years in a nursing home lost in a believable virtual world? I think it'd be pretty funny if that technology like came to fruition in 20 years or so, but all you could play on it was Skyrim and it's just still Skyrim. <laughs> that would still be platform. great though, is the thing, you right. know? Wouldn't it was Skyrim's 50th anniversary edition. <laughs> it would be That'd be cool. <laughs> I've played Skyrim in VR. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, I do think, well... Let me think how to answer this question. It's kind of funny because this question is from two years ago, and some of this technology has already kind of happened yeah. in that the Oculus uh, Quest, the Quest 2, is playable wirelessly from a gaming PC, and they've added the ability to do hand tracking just with that kind of cheap you know, or inexpensive headset. Mm-hmm. They just announced PSVR 2, which is very powerful from what I gather from the specs. There's all these, like, you know, the really powerful ones like the Valve Index are pretty mighty. They can do a lot of stuff. And, of course, Facebook has since announced that they're a metaverse company and investing right. Right. I mean, yes. this. Right. So in 30 years, I mean, th- 30 years ago, it was 1992. <laughs> like, So, like, <laughs> yeah, I think in 30 years, a lot of stuff is going to happen. Even though I think that our vision of what it's going to look like is incomplete because it always is. We never really know what's going to happen in 30 years. And I think thinking of it as in terms of like VR like today, but better, like isn't actually how it's going to be, right? Because that's never how it is. So I'm not, you know, a sci-fi author and I don't quite have the imagination to think of what it will look like. But I do, you know, I've been around long enough to know that it will probably just be very different. And I do think that some of the stuff in Ready Player One, like, for all of its faults as a story, it is a very enthusiastic envisioning of, like, what really incredible virtual reality could be like. But there are these sort of questions that it raises that it doesn't really answer. There are logistical questions, especially in that movie, which I actually think is kind of, it's like a B minus, but it's sort of a fun movie. Um, But, like, there are questions in that movie when you're watching, you're like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Like, because they're just... You'll see them. One of the funniest scenes in that movie is when there's this epic war going on. Did the two of you see this movie? No, but I did see the trailer, so I'm familiar with the epic war. (laughs) This is Steven Spielberg's, um, you know, adaptation of of this book. Twenty eleven. There's a scene, um, yeah, the book is from around then. The movie is only a few years old. Yeah, I think the book is 2011. That's why that year is in my head. Fairly recent. Um, and it's there's just a part in it, like near the end, where there's a huge war happening, and all of these people are like fighting on both sides, and the actual battle is like sweet because it's like Freddy Krueger and the Iron Giant, and you know everybody's dressed up as their favorite whatever, and they're all doing battle, and it's kind of like Fortnite, but like it looks mm-hmm. super vivid and real because it's CG movie, and then it just cuts to like the real world, and it really kind of feels like for a minute the movie is just making fun of everybody because it shows them all, and they're all like wearing their headsets, and they're like. Just like in their offices, like waving around, looking like you do when you play VR, looking like dorks. And then it cuts back to the action and it's this super exciting action. But it raises all these questions of like, okay, but wait a minute, how are they moving around through the space? Because like they're sitting in their offices and yet in the game they're like jumping around hundreds of feet. So there's like a lot of sort of geographic and tracking questions that are raised and never answered. And I don't really know, you know, like when Aaron asked about 360 degree treadmills, mm-hmm. I've used those. Those exist. Like they would always be demoing them at GDC, like back when VR was first coming out, whenever that was, five or six years ago. And they're kind of 
clunky and they don't really work. And then it's like, okay, well, can you hang yourself up in like a Vitruvian man gyroscope where you're like moving? I don't know, like or haptic suits where there's resistance so it can like simulate walking. And, you know, I don't know. There's a a scene in Ready Player One where a guy gets kicked in the crotch and his suit like kicks him in the crotch because they're simulating it. And I'm like, I don't think I would want that technology. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you could just cut out that part of the suit so that that wouldn't be a concern for you. Yeah, remove the the boot to the crotch. Feature. Yeah, maybe yeah. like yeah, safety on the on the crotch region of the suit. But maybe that's considered cheating, and it's like immoral to cut out the part of your crotch, right, and you right. have to just be ethical in online games and just accept right. uh-huh, whom, uh-huh. whomever might kick. What you. if you just move your your body, like twist your torso a little bit, so you can't really get kicked in the crotch? Right, right. right. It depends on the server that you're on. You can go on the right. like full crotch vulnerability servers. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, we Full joke, but like, I do feel like that is the reality of 30 100%. years is that it's like just weird stuff, sex stuff we can't even imagine, but <laughs> yes. also like weird arguments like about like how you can have advertising or like political campaigns in VR. Like, I feel like we've already seen that unfold in like Fortnite mm-hmm. and Animal Crossing and Second Life. It's been going on for years. Like there's real estate agents that work in Second Life and sell virtual spaces. Mm-hmm. And like that whole labor of virtual worlds thing is so fascinating to me. And is absolutely not what Ready Player One is about. Ready Player One's about the fantasy of it all, but I think that's what the future of it looks like, is much more weird, mundane problems and drama, you know? Yeah, Ready Player One, I mean, this we don't need to get sidetracked on Ready Player One, but it does sidestep a lot of the most interesting questions about this stuff by making the Oasis, is what it was. it's called, the metaverse in that fictional world is this like idyllic place created by this guy who like kept it totally free from corporate influence and advertising so it's just like we're just going to make this as simple as possible so we can just tell this hero's story we're actually like right like the the reality is going to be way more complicated can i raise a point related to something else that aaron mentioned which is just playing video games as we get older as a person now in my 40s i think about this more and more and like I'm skeptical. Like, I've thought about this in the past. I've thought, man, it's going to be cool when I'm old because I can just, like, play video games in the retirement (laughs) home, and that'll be sweet. But then I think about how bad video games are with accessibility in general and Mm -hmm. how, as you get older, your body does deteriorate in these ways and things that were easy for you to do when you were younger get harder. You know, I've noticed tendon stuff with my hands when I'm playing, and I'm having stuff. I'm playing, you know, like a, a video game with a lot of, QTEs in it where you have to tap the button and I really like won't do it with my thumb anymore because I need to like preserve my thumb for playing guitar and because that alone hurts it and I'm like tapping it with my index finger and just realizing that a lot of these games aren't very accessible and I have my doubts that VR is going to be appropriately accessible for older people by the time we're older and we want to be doing it, it could well be that it's this kind of frustrating thing where it's like, well, we could be doing it, but it's just like not really that easy to use. Well, I guess the fantasy is that it would be easy to use and it's just you put a headset on and like, I mean, the Kinect might be the closest piece of technology we've seen to, to like what the future could look like, but that has become something else entirely. And didn't really have a, a super effective use for games, but um, maybe when it comes to the metaverse, maybe we could see more stuff like that popping up. I don't know. I, I tend to actually agree with your 
your one of your earlier points, Kirk, where like you feel like we're just going into this blind and we just don't even know what we don't know about what the future could look like. Yeah. I was just thinking about how in 2003, when I got my first cell phone, like my little flip phone thing, mm. and I was using it to like text people in high school and stuff, and and it was the coolest thing ever. It never even occurred to me that like, oh man, I wish I could have email and internet on this thing. But then along comes the iPhone, and that's the most revolutionary device of of the century um and that just changes everything mm-hmm. and a, and a camera everywhere right like that everything, everything. Camera, changed internet, everything like... to have a camera every single person has a camera and right. the internet and instant social media ways to share everything they see yeah so that that just like wouldn't have even been something i would have fantasized about at the time and i think sometimes like even the most imaginative sci-fi writers aren't really like can't really fathom what the pace of technology is going to look like and what the future is going to look like so yeah i don't know i don't really think that like um uh the ready player one uh, existence is what it's gonna be and then again i also think that like a lot of this metaverse talk is people finding solutions to problems that don't really exist as opposed to finding um these tools that like wow solve problems that we didn't even know we had and i think like facebook going all in on this idea of the metaverse is just like very unappealing to a lot of people like i don't think a lot of people want to go into a world where they're like in vr all day in the metaverse taking meetings from their virtual offices yeah yeah, I don't really want to. <laughs> right, I think that if you if you think of it in terms of of that of, of it being like the, this VR world that we're all sort of imagining a shared VR space, that maybe it's not something that people want. I can see Facebook just thinking, okay, this area is ripe for the kind of invention that is like an iPhone, like for something that is the thing that we don't realize we want. And so we're just going to kind of start doing development in it because this kind of a virtual space could lead to whatever it is, you know, whatever the thing is that in 10 years we're like, oh, yeah, like when Facebook talked about meta and the the metaverse, we were like, oh, I don't want that. But we hadn't thought of X thing that so-and-so introduced that suddenly it's like, oh, this is sweet. Like everybody would want to do this. Mm -hmm. And that does seem kind of possible with this technology. Um, All right. Let's keep going. Kirk, you want to take this next one? Sure. This comes from Corzo1212. Corzo writes, During quarantine, I found myself returning to a lot of games, particularly RPGs, that I either didn't like the first time around or never previously finished. One main thing I've been doing differently, however, is I've been setting the games on easy. Not only have I been able to play through and experience more games this way, my enjoyment of them has changed for the better as well. A younger version of me would never dream of this, but now I'm finding more and more that I start new games on easy while leaving the higher difficulties for replays or series I'm already familiar with. I'm curious how you all view difficulty settings. Has your opinion about easy mode changed over the years? Have you ever returned to a game and played it on a lower setting and found that you enjoy it more that way? And why do we apply guilt and shame into dropping the difficulty to get through particularly challenging parts. <laughs> I have I have done this when I hate a game and have to play it, or like I hate a part of a game and, and want to play through it. Um, mm-hmm. I was playing, do you guys remember that game 13 Sentinels that I talked about a couple of years yes. ago? Yeah. Um, I benefited from easy. Yeah, so that was a game where like the visual novel, there's a visual novel component and then an RTS component, and the visual novel part was what, what was really appealing about the game. The RTS part super sucked. And so I said that to easy and just blazed through it. Um, cause it was terrible. Um, and I've also done that with like games I was reviewing where I was just like, I don't want to play any more of this. I'm going to drop it to easy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've done that too. I've even done it for this show, for Guardians of the Galaxy. I dropped it to easy to get further in the story because I was like, I want to get further in this game. I want to know what happens, but I'm not enjoying the combat. It's really repetitive. Uh The boss fights, I didn't find fun in that game. I don't need to go on and on, but like it's a situation where, you know, I'm trying to play more of something. And especially when I'm editing stories about at work about games that have stories, it can be useful to just play through something and see everything and there's something different about playing through something as opposed to just watching the cutscenes online too because then at mm-hmm. least I have some sense of how the game works even if I'm playing the easiest possible version of it. Um, I'm trying to remember if I uh, knocked Halo down to easy at various points to get through parts of it. That game wasn't too hard for me, so possibly not. Mm-hmm. But I, I've done I've done things like that, especially if I'm covering something for work or if I just want to get through it. And I don't have shame about it, just to speak to... Um, the part of Corzo's email about that, I used to have shame about it as well. When I was younger, I couldn't have ever imagined doing that. I never would have done it, even for games I was reviewing professionally early in my career. I would be playing everything at the very least on normal or hard. And that was like, I would be priding myself on that, which now I'm like, what the fuck was I do? Like, what? <laughs> but also back then, games did not often include the option that is almost standard now, which is changing the difficulty setting at any time. And like 10 years ago, even five years ago, I feel like it was relatively uncommon for that to be an option. And nowadays mm-hmm. you can flip it around and that rules. Like I, I love that that's standard now and it makes it less of an intense decision at the beginning of a game where you're like, am I normal? Quote unquote, what is normal? Who, who can truly say what, what I'm going to feel about this video game when I'm 10 hours in? And that's nice. I like that. Yeah. There is the thing when you're a game reviewer in the way it especially used to be where you feel this sort of pressure where if you didn't play it on hard or whatever, if you're not good at the game, then people are going to question your mm-hmm. opinion on it. And then the more established, at least the more established I became, the less I cared because I was like, whatever, man, Same. like I'm good at this. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Like people know to trust me. Um, two games that I'd I've, be Returnal in seven days. Exactly. Well, Kirk's playing everything um, on very hard. So like for him, it's like bumping <laughs> right. it down for him, to hard. It's dropping it to hard. Yeah. There yeah, are yeah, games yeah. that I like that are hard <laughs> that I enjoy the difficulty, though a game like Guardians of the Galaxy is a great example of a game where it's like this. I just don't think this is all that fun. I don't like the way that it's designed that much, so who cares? I like the story. Mm-hmm. And there are games that I kick it down to easy because I think it actually makes the game work better narratively and just a more fun experience. Two examples yep. are the Wolfenstein series, machine games, Wolfenstein games, especially the New Order. That game is really fun on easy, where if you play it on normal, it's kind of weird. BJ Blazkowicz is kind of squishy on normal. Like, you can't actually just run into a room and just, like, destroy everybody in the way that the game kind of wants you to, but you never really can. You're taking cover a lot in that game because you get killed pretty quickly. And it's fun. I mean, it's, like, a great, it's well-designed. But playing it on easy, you're just this, like, Nazi murder machine, and it's fun. And I actually have found that is true of the Doom games, the the newer Doom games as well. Mm -hmm. Those games are really fun on the harder level. I mean, I liked 2016 more than... The, whatever the, the sequel is called, though I gather the sequel is actually really good on hard difficulties if you're good at it because it's so complex. 
But it's pretty fun to play those games on easy because you're just this, you're the Doom Slayer. Like, you just are like, whatever, man. Like, I'm just going to blast through these levels. And there's such a fun exploration component to those games and finding all the little hidden secrets in every level. It just changes the focus of the game and it actually makes combat really fun. So I think that some games really benefit from that too. And I agree, Maddie. I really like that games make it possible to change the difficulty. And I like when games don't tie even achievements to that because yeah. I don't care about achievements, but there's still just something, it's a vestige of that like well if you kick it down to normal you can't get the special achievement because you're a quitter and I don't like that so I appreciate when they're just like whatever do whatever you want play however you want it's fine mm-hmm. yeah no more guilt and shame for, dra- for changing the difficulty please yes we have enough of that in the rest of our lives Video games even, can even the concept even the way that we the verbiage we use here the, the language we use here to describe like knocking Beating it down a to a lower yeah. difficulty a lower difficulty like mm-hmm. even that mm-hmm. is kind of like it has this uh Interesting. Higher and lower. We should mm-hmm. say knocking it down to a better difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> I played it on um, the worst difficulty. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to the mode. best one, the one that feels the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how I like to play games. Um, let's keep going. I'll read this next one. This is from Kath. Kath says, I was listening to your Beans cast about the MCU for Max Fun members. Hint, hint uh, to any other <laughs> listener. <laughs> <laughs> And Jason, and Jason didn't like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier because of its ending made me think about video games I adored until the end. And then it soured the experience. So here's my question for you. Do you have the same experience with any other games, either AAA or indie, where you adored the story, but the ending was not a good experience and gave you a bad memory of it? Yes, absolutely. I will answer this because I have one that comes to mind immediately. <laughs> um, Kirk, do you know what I'm thinking of? Yes. Prey. The video game Prey. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. which is a game I adored until the ending and really the last like chunk of the game, the last act, the last quarter of the game, where suddenly it turns from a game where you can like um, approach every problem in any way you want and sneak around and be stealthy and hack and, and just do things in whatever way you want to like this uh, enemy horde swarming at you. Like you have to, you have to fight them to survive type of game. Um, and then the ending itself has such a stupid twist that I just like said, are you kidding me at my screen after I saw that? Um, but yeah, that whole last chunk of the game really soured what was otherwise an incredible experience for me. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch. Like I, I talked about <laughs> it on the show a bit, but Deathloop was one where we talked yeah. about the Prey ending yes, as well. Yes, yes, I yes. didn't like the twist Another in Deathloop. Arcane game. I wrote about it at Polygon. I will not spoil the twist here, but I just, I didn't think it worked. And then it kind of, it, it was tough because I enjoyed so much about like the first 90% of that game. And I think I put it on my honorable mention in our, in our games of the year episode, mm-hmm. because I still thought a lot of it was really cool, but I was very disappointed in the ending. And it made me a lot less excited about like the prospect of DLC and other stories in that world. Cause I was just like, I don't know about this, but um, another example is um, Spider-Man Miles Morales. The ending really didn't work for me. And I maybe it'll be out by the time we publish this. I don't know. I wrote an essay about why I didn't like the ending of that game literally a year ago and never published it. Huh. And I keep meaning to put it up. Maybe people could peer pressure me into putting it up. but I, You should because I want to read it just because I remember like thinking the story to that game was like pretty good and I'm very interested in in reading your take the end just didn't work for me for a bunch of reasons and 
everything up to that I really liked, but there were like a couple specific plot choices they made at the end that I yeah. didn't like. And I guess so, I'm kind of remembering how it ended, and I can I can. Well, see I, that. I'm sure if you read the essay, you'd be like, "Oh, right," and then you'd yeah. agree I've with sort me 100 because like yeah. I'm so smart, and you would like be totally convinced. By my <laughs> no, I I think I would be, and I don't <laughs> remember the story for that game. Kind of went in one ear and out the other. It's also fine if people love the ending. I could see how someone would. I mean, it's I don't know. I'm answering Cass' question, and then the other one. Um, that's like an obvious one and doesn't quite fit Kath's question, but comes to mind is Bioshock Infinite, where yeah. I feel like more just the first half of that game has some really strong ideas and some really cool stuff to that it introduces about like how Elizabeth's tears through reality work. And then it just really goes off the rails. And like, especially the ending, I was like, what is going on here <laughs> which mm-hmm. again i will not spoil some of the twists in that game just in case there's a listener out there who wants to give it a shot but oh boy <laughs> some of those twists yeah no it's, thank infinite's you. a funny one I, that was one of the i was going to say as well because it isn't just like the ending itself which is a lot to keep track of to begin with but it's right it's <laughs> yeah. just the way that the game kind of spirals toward it which is i would also say a, a complaint i would level at the last of us part two at least for me mm-hmm. it was a game that really starts strong and seems to be very very compelling and interesting and well put together and like and then as it just keeps going and going and going and eventually it's like this should have ended already even i mean the first bioshock kind of feels that way too where it actually would have had a sensational ending if it had just ended you know upon your your first mm-hmm. meeting with yep. that very important character yep, and the big reveal and then of course there's this <laughs> extra ending that does, doesn't ruin the game i'm not uh-huh. really a like the game or the ending, sorry, ruined the thing for me kind of a person, especially with video games. Though, I mean, I, I'm sure there are examples, but a lot of times I'm like, you know, I really liked this game, like Deathloop, didn't love mm-hmm. the ending, but like I've loved this game, so I don't really care. And a lot of times, actually, I'm kind of, I'll, I'll feel the other way. I'm just seeing Horizon Zero Dawn as in the later question, and that's a game where that just comes to mind as a game where that it didn't need to have a good ending. I kind of didn't expect it to. And then mm-hmm. I thought I had a really lovely, great ending. And I was like, yeah, so rolled. pleasantly surprised by the ending that it actually yeah. really sealed the game together for me as, as a much greater experience than I think I had expected going in. I've mm-hmm. actually been thinking about that ending a lot recently because the new one is about to come well, out sure. and yeah. that game ends with like some cool teases for like what could be to come. But um, I'm also like, how are they going to follow it up? Because yeah. I really liked the ending. So I feel uh-huh. like they have a challenge there, they which do. is following up that story. And I'm right. excited to see what they do. But yeah, that's almost like the opposite problem where I yes. agree. I really like the ending so much that it's like, Oh, we're gonna do this again? Oh, oh okay. You can't pull that magic right. trick twice, so <laughs> they gotta know. do something new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's keep going. Maddie, you wanna read this next one? Sure. So Tom writes, big fan of the show. Got a question. Thanks so much, Tom. Should have skipped that part. Tom <laughs> continues, how do you get back into a complex game that you played some of, but then set aside? Over the holidays, I've been trying to resume some games that I played partway through earlier in the year, like Deathloop and Horizon Zero Dawn. But in both cases, I found returning to the game overwhelming and confusing. I'd forgotten the story points, the characters, the controls, and the mechanics. Though games sometimes have tutorial information in the menus to refresh your memory or quest logs where you can recap the story, they're rarely enough to help you properly get to grips with a game again. In the case of Deathloop, I think I'm simply too confused and I'm not sure I'll pick it up again. Do you guys have any rituals or tricks to get back into games that you've left by the wayside? (laughs) Yeah, I do. My ritual is I load it up, I stare at it, and then I turn it off. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. You do that enough times. Yeah, eventually you just kind of through osmosis, you remember it. Right, and it's right. as though you never left. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, this happens to me all the time. I wrote this article for Kotaku forever ago about Rise of the Tomb Raider because I had this happen to me where I had set the game down and then picked it back up, and it was right before one of those sort of Uncharted-esque like QTE sequences where Lara oh, has to run across yeah. a bunch of collapsing things and she runs and you jump and you run and it's collapsing and then the last jump is too far and you have to throw your grappling hook and like it because there's like a little white you know it's like whatever how the grappling hook areas are special yeah yeah coded. yeah there's a little sparkly doorway that whatever, you have right, to enter like a, a grappling yeah. hook region and I just <laughs> didn't remember because I hadn't played it in a while so I just I played through the sequence like 15 times and she just kept dying on these like spikes too because you know that game has like brutal <laughs> oh, death animations really and I was like what is what am I missing and I finally went and like scrolled around in like a let's play on YouTube until I found that part <laughs> and I was like oh the grappling hook right so I've had this happen a lot um, I I don't know there's a good answer for it this man um, Deathloop is probably really tough to get back into God of War this happened with, to me recently I was like I'm going to play that on PS5 at 60 frames per second in my new game plus and it's like all these combos are unlocked and combat and I was like how does what is how do I play this and I kind of just couldn't get back in the rhythm that happened to me too Kirk and I, I keep thinking about starting a new game without new game plus right I think I think, would, I think the new game plus yes I think that yeah. would and I think that actually that is the advice that I would give to Tom is start if over. you want to get back into the game don't start over just start over and start from the beginning keep your save where it is but i would say play the first hour of the game again like if you really want to play it you know if you're if you're like damn i i think i would have liked this but i've kind of lost the groove if you play the first hour again you'll probably play through the tutorials kind of get back in the zone remember what's going on with the story you'll be like okay i kind of remember this now and then try loading up your save that's farther along and that'll probably help that's a good idea. That's good advice. Yeah, yeah I, I like try that. that too. I find that it's just really hard to to go back to one of these games after you've lost your momentum, and that's why yeah. I and I'm sure many of the listeners out there have just like an entire library of unfinished games because yeah. you you start playing something, you're into it, you play 10, 15 hours of it, and then something else comes along that you're really excited about, and so you move on mm-hmm. to that, and then you just never go back, and then you have that little voice inside your head that's like, hey, I really liked playing such and such. Tales yeah. of Arise. I should go and play more of that, but you just never do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least with Horizon Zero Dawn, you could set it to easy, and then you could switch it back. Also, right, just true. saying. Well, with Horizon Zero Dawn, it helps if you re- if you remember that you can actually slow down time. Oh my God! Don't remind me. But actually, for real though, it is nice that you can slow down time. That's in that true. Game. That's kind of like the equivalent of Jason not sprinting in Half Life, Maddie not remembering <laughs> about slow mo. No, <laughs> I don't think it's the equivalent. We all have I think our things. Similar. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Kirk. You can take this next one. All right. This comes from Peter. Peter writes, hello, Kirk, Maddie, and Jason. Hi, Peter. Peter writes, I was talking to a friend the other day about gaming terminology that people use and that often makes no sense. I personally find the word campaign irritating when used to describe a game's story mode. To my mind, that word does not fit there. When I hear campaign, (laughs) I picture someone holding up protest signs or trying to get voted into local government. That's very civic-minded of you, Peter. Um, yeah. Peter writes, I've got others as well, but I'm interested to see if there are any accepted gaming terms that any of you find annoying or ill-fitting. I have a few. I wrote down a few. I love this question. I have so it's many. It's amazing. Oh, I just want to say it's so funny that Peter thinks that when hearing the word campaign because I don't. I instead think of a military campaign right. every mm-hmm. single right. time. Which is where it comes from. 
yeah. correct, but it's now in so many games that don't have anything yep. to do with the military. So, like, I think of it as a Call of Duty thing because I think yep. that that may be either right. the, the game that popularized it or one of the first iterations of the word campaign where it makes sense, I guess, even though it's really corny. But anytime it's in, like, I don't know, like, if I were talking about, like, the chicory campaign, like, that would sound absurd for a game right like that. no it, like, it is it is kind of cruel it's only really used when specifying like versus multiplayer like right oh, I'm playing of the campaign course versus so it has to be a game that has a multiplayer mode that is prominent in some way so like the halo campaign the call of duty campaign you wouldn't say the chicory campaign because it doesn't have multiplayer. it's true there should right. be a multiplayer for chicory though that would be awesome but Anyway, it is. It's just a weird one because it could just be called the story mode, and the fact that yeah. it's called the campaign really is just a Call of Dutyism because it's like, mm. well, you're playing through the whatever military campaign of World War II Eastern Front or something, and it, and it's not applicable or it just it is a very odd one. I was thinking about beat, which I think is one that we use with video games, like beating a video game. And Maddie, I know yep. that you're. I wanted to ask you. I know you're very fond. Of using I know. the term beat. I think stop you do it because the listeners have pointed out that I say it even in situations where it makes no sense to refer to but a I th- game. I feel like you kind of do it on purpose, though, right? Like it's a little bit arch no. the way that you use it. Oh, no, really? I always kind of assumed it was a little That's ironic. very kind of you to assume that. Um, yeah, no, I've been doing it ironically. I've been using this stupid term for my entire life as a bit, and it's well, definitely not just a bad habit. You'll, yeah, I'm you'll use it for in. like, I don't know, like life is strange. You'll be like, I, I beat know. life is strange. <laughs> it's like, did you beat the game? Really? Like yeah, I did. Maddie, every single every single negative quality you should just say is a bit. I'm doing oh, yeah, it as a joke. Yeah, every single <laughs> me like putting off cleaning the bathroom for just another just, week just more. A it's bit. a it's like a, a fun, funny, like, funny bit. It's yeah. ironic. Like who would expect that of me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Can I give you guys some some terms that I sure. hate to Please. death? Okay. One is uh, going gold. Because it doesn't oh. make sense anymore, yes. so I hate it when anybody uses it. It doesn't. It doesn't even in today's yeah. modern day, like the concept of printing yes. a, a disc <laughs> version doesn't even. Especially exist given how unfinished games are when they yeah come, yeah right? when they go gold yeah um, yeah. Two is um, the word engine, uh, which has mm. become so <laughs> skewed as to have lost all meaning, and it's just mm. um, mm-hmm. used in so many different. How do you feel about gameplay? By the way, because that one is one that I'm like, yeah. if I can get a writer to use any other word, I will make them. There are some very few cases mm. where I will allow gameplay, but yeah, most of the time people say it when they just mean game. <laughs> mm. Or I did something <laughs> like right. some other I mean, it's verb a, can go there. Kind of a di- way of distinguishing between the thing you do versus the story you are told, but also like a less relevant distinction. It's a useful concept, but there is certainly better language you can use than game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one other one, this is more of a game criticism thing, but really I see it a lot in game conversations. Is the word bombastic, which nobody knows <laughs> this what is this just means. Your Jason's valid pet peeve. Oh, is that the one people are using? Okay. Now? So the word bombastic, what the word bombastic actually means is speaking in flowery tones. It's like what you would use to describe a politician, like using highfalutin language, like saying things that mean nothing, puffery, essentially. The way it's used in the video game world is to mean the explosive. The word bombastic has absolutely nothing to do with explosions or cinematics or anything. It's too late, man. Do you get mad at people who say literally? Is this this like that for you? No, 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 no. I think, I I believe, no, Maddie, I 
I believe very strongly, actually, that language evolves and language changes and like words change meaning. But bombastic, like there's absolutely no it's only like game critics that use it to describe like the latest Call of Duty. Like this this Call of Duty trailer is bombastic. I feel like I've seen some Marvel movies called bombastic. It's not just game people. It's okay. It's not like it's not so broadly used in a way that like literally is where it can be adopted to another use. It's just people using it wrong. Like it's not a word that should ah, fit Ah, but okay, let me challenge you on that because I understand that they're using it incorrectly and that is not the definition. However, it sounds so right that you could almost honestly make an argument that because the word bombast is so evocative of explosions, it do- it that it like- could just change to mean that. Even though I understand your complaint. It's got so- the word bomb in it right at the beginning. And then it's like ass, which is like bomb blast. It's like yep. you're saying bombastic. You're saying right. that. And, and that's what it means. Maybe so. we should invent a new word that is bombastic. <laughs> and that word means explosive. Uh-huh. Well, the, the actual problem is that in 1995, the musical artist Shaggy released his third studio album, Boombastic, mm-hmm. which included a song called Bombastic about uh, Mr. Bombastic, which really is what started this whole right. all of these Noted problems. game critic Shaggy, because as Jason said before, <laughs> the only people who make this mistake are game critics, and we can all agree mm-hmm. that's true. So right. that's really where the problem originated. It's interesting yeah, we're going it came back from to Shaggy. that. So yeah. now is the... Is the song Mr. Bombastic about a gentleman who regularly exaggerates and speaks using overly overly exciting language? language? No, it is uh, about a a woman who um, calls Shaggy, the narrator of the song, Mm. Mr. Mr. Bombastic, Mr. Boombastic. So that's, that could is, mean anything. Right. She is he saying that's a cool thing to be called him. or is she being like, dude, well, <laughs> you're so bombastic. Yeah. Chill. Shaggy doesn't know what the word means, but she actually was criticizing uh, his, right, his manner. Right. It was some self-criticism. You have, to, you have to take some, you have to do some artistic interpretation here. But um, mm. I, here, wow. I can read you, I can read you a couple of lyrics. Um, okay, great. Boombastic, <laughs> tell me fantastic, touch me on my back. She called Mr. Romantic. Tell me fantastic. I'm bummed hmm. You get the gist of it. It's kind of a fun word to rhyme with. I get where Shaggy's coming yeah, from. It's fun, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is. it's a fun it word is. to use. It's a fun word. I understand why people misuse it, is. it. It's a good word. It's a fun word. It should mean explosive. I'm sure I've misused it, and I have no regrets. That's my stance on this. I never have because Jason has been telling me about this for like seven years, and I've internalized well, it. Well, Kirk, you are the reason why I say cliched instead of cliche. Ah, that makes which me very I don't happy. know why I'm still doing it because it's in dictionaries now. Like, I need to move on. Yeah, but like you told okay. me that one early on and like cliched is the it's adjective stuck. form of cliche. And I yes. still... I still fix that every time I, for no reason. I think no reason. Well, there's there's nothing wrong with being correct. Even love if, love to be a little bit of a pedant about something right. really specific. It can be fun. You're a professional editor. You should be. <laughs> it's your it's your prerogative. Um. All right. Let's let's uh, squeeze in one little okay. more bombastic question before we uh, <laughs> before we go. Um, Ryan says, "Hi, Triple Click. I was wondering if you could do a Monster Hunter episode. I've never played any of the games, but I keep hearing about how great they are, and people really seem to enjoy them. Any advice for newcomers to the franchise would be a plus." While we are not going to do a Monster Hunter episode, maybe <laughs> well, Kirk that's a can give us po- proclamation. Kirk can, can put Kirk it as his bet game advice. at some point and force that's us true. to do one. That would that be happen. tough. No, because I, I wouldn't make you play a game that's like 100 hours. But Kirk can give us some advice on 
how to get into Monster yeah, Hunter. Yeah, give us some advice. So I can give Ryan some advice um, as someone who was not into Monster Hunter and then became into Monster Hunter with World. And this is especially applicable, I bet, because Rise is now out on PC and mm-hmm. Rise is really, really good. Monster Hunter Rise, which was on Switch before and is fantastic on Switch. I would prefer playing it on Switch because it's great on Switch, but it is also on PC now. And I'm sure some people are seeing it and thinking, hmm, kind of want to play that, especially I'm sure it'll be on Steam sale later this year. Um, So my advice is, this is a game that becomes very, very fun once you know how it works. So if you want to get into it, there is always a demo. Download the demo, but the demo isn't really going to sell you because it's going to throw you into the deep end and you're just going to go fight a monster. And you'll be like, what? I'm like, this sucks. Like, I have this sword, but it's so slow and I don't, this combat is so weird and hard and I feel so, like, lethargic and what the hell. So... You got to put a little bit of work in. So, it, you you know, it is a game where, like, you have to learn a few things before you will appreciate it. But then once you do that, it becomes very fun to, like, learn more. So my advice would be there are some tutorial videos. Pick a weapon. Like, the longsword's a really cool one, especially in Rise. It has a super cool moveset. And you're going to want to learn just the basic combos of that weapon. And to do that, watch a YouTube video. There are some that I watched. I'll link. I forget the name of the the YouTube channel right now, but I'll link this in the show notes. Just watch the long sword video. It's like 10 minutes and the guy will just go through all the different combos you can do and then just go to the training room and like do those for a little while. And also I will say to shout out Maddie's publication that Russ Frushtick, our friend from the besties got into Monster Hunter Rise and that was his first one. And he wrote some mm-hmm. posts for Polygon that are very helpful about like how to get into it. I think maybe Ryan Gilliam also wrote some, but you guys have some good tips posts. Oh so, yeah. yeah. There's some very useful Monster Hunter Rise posts from Ryan and Russ. You want to link a couple in the show notes? Yeah, we'll link those in the show notes as well. And I would say like just if you can get yourself into the headspace to do a little bit of that work up front and like learn that stuff, the game is so fun once you learn just kind of the basics of one weapon and then maybe some wire bug tricks, all just kind of button combos and stuff. And then you'll kind of go from there, start customizing your inventory, whatever, and then you kind of get into it. But that's that's the the thing is getting over that first hump. Cool. Um, cool. All right. On that note, thank you again to everyone who wrote in questions and to all the questions that we we read today. Let's take a break and then we will be back with one more thing. I'm John Moe. My show Depression Mode is all about mental health. And this week I talked with Amanda Knox. She spent four years in an Italian prison for a murder she didn't commit. That's a lot of trauma and she's okay talking about it. If I touch on something that you'd rather not get into, just say so, we'll cut the whole exchange out, but it also seems like you're pretty open, open about a lot of things. Yeah, 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 I am having trouble imagining anything that you could talk to me about that <laughs> I, know, I... I know, what are we gonna throw Amanda Knox with? <laughs> Depression Mode with John Moe, only on Maximum Fun. For over a decade, MaxFunCon has been an incredible weekend of learning, connecting, and laughing with folks in the MaxFun community. And, if all goes according to plan, the last regularly scheduled MaxFunCon will take place in Lake Arrowhead from June 3rd to June 5th, 2022. We have a very limited number of tickets remaining. To make them available to the maximum number of people, we'll be opening our waitlist for tickets on January 23rd at 5pm Pacific. That'll be your chance to be first in line to purchase tickets, and we'll go down the waitlist until we're at capacity. More details at maxfuncon.com. And mark your calendars for Sunday, January 23rd at 5 p.m. Pacific. And we are back for one more thing. 
Maddie, why don't you kick us off with your one more thing? Sure. Um, so it's not Dark Souls, but it could have been, which was also <laughs> true last week. I'm just saying that. I know that's not part of this, but I just want everyone to know that I'm still playing Dark Souls and I'm not talking about it because I'm I'm a nice person who doesn't want to talk about Dark Souls every single week. And instead, I'm going to talk about the anime Death Note from 2006. Oh, hey, all right. <laughs> which I saw the pilot episode of Death Note probably around 2006, and I thought it was really cool and really sophisticated and awesome and badass, and I was like, great pilot. I'd love to watch the rest of this show. Never got around to it. Watch people cosplay as characters from Death Note for the next 10 years of my life going to anime conventions, and kind of felt like I got the gist, learned a lot of spoilers, kind of was like, okay, yeah, sure. It's like I've seen Death Note at this point. Moved on. And then this week, I just had been talking at work with some people about anime and I was like, you know, I, I'd love something to watch just in the background of doing various things that I don't need to pay a ton of attention to. Death Note is, it's so great. It's so perfect oh, yeah? for this. It's got mm. a great dub. I know dubs or versus subs is like a whole thing. If you mm -hmm. want to watch it with the subtitles, that's chill. But I think the dub is pretty good. It's pretty fun and it's great for background laundry folding. Yeah, I was going to say, can't watch the subtitles in the background. Do you guys know anything about yeah, the show? Do you want to know do. the premise real quick? The yes. elevator pitch? Go okay. ahead and tell us so, the premise. So a high school student who is poised to become a serial killer in terms of what his psychology is, is cool. the main character of the show. And a spooky devil guy in the underworld drops his death note, drops his death notebook um, by accident. And he is a comical character who is basically the sidekick of the lead for the entirety of the show. And the lead finds that death notebook, the death note, if you will. And every time he writes down somebody's name in the book, which contains instructions on how to do this, that person will die. And it turns out that he can specify exactly how and when they will die. Wow. So he starts out in the pilot episode only killing criminals and being very moral and very like... Um, terrifying lawful <laughs> right like dexter uh, morgan right yeah like dexter yes except then uh before long things get out of control and this incredible like almost sherlock holmes-esque figure l who is aware of like supernatural beings somehow mm. decides to get on the case and follow him and figure it out and the entire thing is a cat and mouse there's so much like gay shipping of these two male characters understandably because there's just endless like they're constantly one step ahead of each other mm. at all times and they have great chemistry and also every episode is L setting up a series of events that would absolutely make it so that Light is caught, Light being the main character, and then Light improbably somehow figuring out how to not be caught through an even more absurd series of events that you could never possibly guess. Maddie, no wonder you no wonder you like this. It's billions. It's great. It's billions. It's billions. It's billions, but it's much more childish and silly and corny mm, and anime. like soapy than billions because it's from, you know, 15 years ago. And it just right. it allows itself to be very soapy in a way that I think in 2006 was really impressive to 16 year olds, which valid been there. But to a 35 year old, I find hilarious and like really charming and fun to watch. So, yeah, I recommend it. Uh, Death Note. It's an anime. I'm watching it on Funimation through a subscription. Through a subscription. It is not free, sadly. Nice. Uh, How about somebody else goes? Jason, you want to go next? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will go next. Um, my one more thing is a movie called Don't Look Up, 
which is a new Netflix movie um, that heard people have probably heard of. Heard of it. Uh, it's directed by Adam McKay. There's Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence. And I thought it was eh, fine, That's I sort guess. Of what I've, sort of what <laughs> I've been hearing. Be yeah, take. it wasn't really that impressive. I was hoping for something, I don't know, maybe a little more biting, maybe a little, a little more interesting. It's just kind of like um, a ho-hum satire that's like, look, people don't. Uh, so the the premise is that like it's all a metaphor for climate change, and the premise is that this meteor is discovered that's about to crash into the earth and kill everybody. And um, shocker, uh, the uh, some people don't believe in it and don't take it seriously. And there's like uh, a bunch of like patriot YouTubers who are like, there is no such thing as a comet, or like it's not gonna. And and essentially, it's just like a send up of of everything, all things climate change slash pandemic slash whatever else. It sounds so fun. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like. I it's love not... to think about people denying the existence of either Same. like a pandemic or totally. like planetary collapse. It's my favorite or... vibe. It's sort of, it's got that problem where it's where that a lot of comedy has just had during the Trump era where it's just yeah. how do you satirize something that's just this absurd and how yeah. do you even have effective satire when you're talking about people who just like don't believe in the fabric of reality, like don't Which believe in like truth. Which is like sad to me. It's not funny. It's like sad. Anyway, I think I saw on. that they wrote most of the movie before COVID and then when COVID was Oof. happening or they had, they had a version of it written and they were working on it and then they kept being like, oh my God, like the stuff in our script is like literally happening. We need to make the script even more absurd. But it, I feel like if anything, that's like a sign that it doesn't work. It's like, <laughs> oh no, the movie we wrote that's is a joke. Thing. Is oh no, real. it's too real. It's just, it doesn't work because it's not that absurd. It's not that, mm. it's not very funny. It's like, the jokes yeah. mostly miss. Um, Leo DiCaprio is great because he's always great, and he, yeah. mm-hmm. he he acts his heart out in in the movie, and he's very fun as as this kind of schlumpy scientist character uh, who who like gets tempted by celebrity and gets tempted to like sure. um, follow fame and fortune, even if it means abandoning science. And so there's some some good stuff in there, but like in general, I this is a movie that you can very easily skip. Um, mm. But it's also if you have nothing else to watch and you're like just browsing Netflix, like no reason not to watch it it's just that like i don't know i've liked adam mckay's other stuff better i really like the big short for example and whereas Mm -hmm. this did not work for me quite as well i even liked vice better than this even though that that had its own kind of issues but yeah didn't this did not work for me quite as well yeah i kind of liked vice thought it was interesting i never watched it yeah i thought it was another movie that was like really just christian bale's performance in that movie Mm -hmm. just really takes it to another level amy adams too yes amy adams very good in that also i love her and everything maybe i'll watch it one day um and then in don't look up jonah hill plays this like uh ridiculous character who is just like his even his like comedy is like it's too i don't know something's off about that's weird because he because he's so funny it's like weird he's great such a star-studded cast but it just doesn't mean meryl streep there's a million people in it yeah yeah meryl Mm -hmm. streep is in it and she is like i don't know it's it just didn't really work that well for me um but yeah, it is what it is. Uh, Kirk, what's your one more thing? So my one more thing was going to be a movie that I just watched called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which I loved. And I want to recommend to everybody, but I don't want to tell people what it's about because it's just really funny. So I'm actually going to make it a different movie. Wow. Um, it is a different movie that I watched that I was much more mixed on, but that is actually also kind of more video game related. 
Because we're clearly, it's funny, all of our one more things for like four episodes have just been like, here's a show Listen, I caught up on. I could have talked about Dark Souls again. There's I've like, tried to scare true. everybody, okay? Maddie is the true gamer among us. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be like, we're no, in the I wall know. right now. Oh, we're going to be in gaming yep. territory soon. We're, we're all pacing ourselves. I'm just, I'm just sort of laughing. Um, so I watched the movie Free Guy, which... Ooh. Oh, um, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. I, uh, yep. Yes, starring Ryan Reynolds. Um, and I was kind of medium on it. It was fine. It was a fun time. It was diverting. Was it better or worse than Ready Player One? Um, it's funny because <laughs> it was co-written by Zach Penn, who I think also wrote Ready, the Ready Player One adaptation. Um, cool. It's, I don't think it's... I, it's different. They're both kind of on the same level for me. Like, they're both kind of movies that I would just kind of watch if it was on. Like, I find Ready yep. Player One plenty watchable, the film. And the, this movie, too, is, like, fun, but it's not—it wasn't as good as it could have been because it kind of just didn't pick a lane. It's such a, like, mashup—so I should explain what this movie is. It's it's a weird movie that doesn't exist because it came out in 20—I think in 2021, mid-pandemic. Mm-hmm. But it's yep. a pretty star-studded film. But also, like, I totally forgot about it. I remembered seeing a trailer and being like, holy shit, this is like some of the articles I wrote for Kotaku turned into a movie. The premise of this movie is that Ryan Reynolds— is an NPC essentially in GTA Online and a sort of hybrid GTA Online Fortnite video game. And it looks like real life. And it's very Lego movie in the setup in that he is just like, woohoo, like going to go to my job at the bank where I get held up every day. And there's player characters who come through the world and just blow things up and do whatever. And he just is like, oh, it's the sunglasses people. like, And it's Ryan Reynolds doing that kind of cherubic, enthusiastic, goofy Thing that he kind of does in Deadpool, like it has a Deadpool vibe, but it's not quite as like cynical and self-aware mm-hmm. in that way anyways. And then, of course, he realizes that he's in the game somehow and starts to change and break out of it. So it has it's sort of Truman Show-esque. It definitely has that feeling. Um, and it's it's mixing a whole lot of different ingredients that I like. Like, I love the Truman Show. That movie really holds up to shockingly yeah. well. If you haven't watched Very it recently, good. it's really great movie and it, it it gets kind of touching in parts and it's it can be it's kind of a really interesting thing it is also interestingly enough a movie that is about my uh, gonzo prediction for 2022 coming true <laughs> which like yeah, i watched it right a, after a video making game that character make, becoming aware becoming self-aware yeah yeah um and anyways i don't know it has jodie comer in it um from killing eve, killing eve which is pretty yeah. cool um it has a great cast it really has a lot going for it it's just kind of didn't quite come together into what I wanted it to be. The, some of the jokes just try too hard. There's a lot of like YouTubers in it, which is pretty yeah. funny because it's like they're all people <laughs> like Jacksepticeye and Pokemane. Like they're people who are big right now, but watching the movie, I was just like, this feels a hundred years old. Like this already feels a <laughs> uh-huh. hundred years old. It's like uh-huh. from last century. It's like becoming dated as it's coming out, even yes. though it isn't dated yet. It's like you can imagine the version of yourself that sees it three years from now and is like, who the fuck is this? Like who yes. are these people? Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's an okay movie. I thought it's plenty diverting if you want something to watch, but as a video game movie goes, I felt that it fell far short of the the Matrix Resurrections, which is maybe the best vi- now maybe the best video game movie I've ever seen. <laughs> so it's pretty incredible. Um, it uh, it uh, was a high bar that was recently set by that movie. So watching, it, I was like, ah, this is fine. But anyways, <laughs> it's fine. It's plenty fun. I think people would uh, would find things to like about it. There's lots of Easter eggs and that kind of thing if you're into that. So pretty fun movie. Uh, lots of video game Easter eggs, like uh, references to to games hidden all throughout. The... I'm sure there's like video game references that I didn't even get, but there's certainly you know like a Halo tank keeps rolling around in the background and that kind of thing. And you're like, ah, oh, I'm a gamer. I got that one. I know what that is. 
It's like cool. it's the the metaverse. It's all the references, all the the Ready Player One style references shoved yeah. into one. It's very. One I mean, it's it's nowhere near like that. There's just a few. I mean, it, it mostly exists on its own logic. And I mean, there's a game development studio that is. It's just it's funny watching it because you're just like wow. Like it's just it has bears no resemblance to how game development works at all, except for I guess the fact that there's this like horrible toxic dude in charge played by Taika Waititi who's actually not as funny as I wanted him to be. So it's just like things about them. I'm like, man, I love Taika. I wanted him to be funny. And he's kind of, he's a pretty sweaty performance. But mostly it's like just the fantasy logic of movie video game development where they're like on their laptops changing the code. Of, it's kind of like Mythic Quest, like where they're like, yeah. things just don't, they don't, they need to work in a way that is unrealistic because who cares? It's better for the story. But it's sort mm-hmm. of fun watching if you know even a little bit about game development. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right. That is it for this week's episode. Yeah. We will be back once again next Thursday. Same same time, same place, same mm-hmm. channel. Same, same triple podcast, time, same triple listening channel. Location, same, same Maddie catchphrase. Clickety-click-clack. Clickety-click-clickety. We'll be back with that. That's true. All right. Well, I will see the both of you in a week. And now for my real catchphrase. Bye. <laughs> Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.